This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie, Charles Melton, ASE Certified Master Technician. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Coach Charlie. How are you doing today? Nice I, to be here. I am great. We've got the band all back together. Everybody's where they should be uh, before <laughs> folks leave for holidays. But uh, we're doing great. Coach, I get so excited when we get Evan Drury on the show. He is the Senior Manager of the Insights Division at Edmonds, where he examines trends in the automotive industry. Ivan, welcome back to AutoCorrect. Oh, thanks for having me. Always good to be on. Say hey to Coach Charlie. Hey, Coach. How you doing? I'm doing just great. Well, glad to have you here. Well, Edmund, or uh, Ivan, this whole chip car, new car business is just a mess. And so that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. So this is 21, but usually we've already had the 22 models come out. Can you get a 21 model? What are there deals? Are there any good deals on, you know, December is also a time when there's deals. How about, can you get a deal on a new car? You know, that is traditional thinking, right? Like any normal year, we would expect to see these 21s being phased out, the 2022s roaring through, sales of all sorts. And even years prior, you could sit around and wait till January or February and buy last, you know, model year new inventory. I mean, even like two or three years ago, we actually had 30% of sales in January stemming from the prior model year, right? A lot of deep discounts, you could do some cross-comparison shopping between the, the redesign and the old model year, that's not going to happen this year. Um, we've unfortunately, with the chip crisis, there are virtually, we're running deficient about 80%. So your typical dealer only has 20% of the cars they typically have. And a lot of people, you know, they're preserving cars. They're paying, everyone's paying over MSRP. Um, the average price is around $600 over MSRP. And the world's completely upside down when it comes to autos and not just new, but when we look at used values, it's the same thing. I mean, used cars is really the only you know other place you can go to. And a lot of people couldn't find that new car. They start looking at used cars. What does that mean? Used values are up too, and they're really expensive. So if you need a ride, you need to start looking right now. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's one of these things where if you can hold off, that's fantastic. But if you're looking to buy, you you know you just need dire straits. Um, it is one of these things where look now, act fast because we are seeing that too. There where people they'll start submitting leads, you know they'll send a couple of dealers some emails, but by the time they actually go to purchase, they end up having to buy a different car from what they initially intended because the dealer's already sold what you wanted to purchase. So unless you put money down and really earmark that car as yours. Uh, the odds are you're probably just not going to have that vehicle. Cars are selling as fast as possible, like the moment they hit the lot. Yeah, there was one thing that um, I heard is that Toyota, or we'll say Japan, had one up on America. What they did, we had the um, tsunami and everything in Japan, and they made a law that they would have to stock one year supply of chips to put in their Toyotas. If you have noticed, you see a lot more Toyotas on the uh, lots than you do any American vehicle. 
Yeah, and you know, that's changing too. I mean, they they were running ahead because they actually did stock up on supplies and you know some of the other Japanese automakers it was the same thing but now they are burning through those extra supplies they had um, you know they're just churning out product as fast as possible people are even buying sedans which you know for a while oh horrors oh horrors so it's it's just kind of crazy like even people are, you know they're paying over msrp for a camry which you know two years ago you would have gotten thousands of dollars off so it's it's a wild world out there when it comes to trying to shop what about the, the used car market what do you see on that where are we going on that right now it has gotten vicious, honestly. I mean, it's virtually everybody wants your used car. If you have a car of any kind, right, your, your values are up. We see the average transaction price for a used car is now $29,000. That is up 28% from this time last year. And if you even look and just think, you know, what, I'm going to get something older. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get me a little beater to, you know, drive for a little while and kind of ride out the wave. Even like a nine-year-old car that used to cost ten grand. We're up to $14,000 on average. So again, you know, your your money's just not going to go as far as it used to. And inventories on that end are, you know, kind of depleted because people are trying to hold on to. And you got no trade-ins if you don't have as many new cars being sold. And, then, and it's just getting hard out there. So you would think on that, uh, if you had a older model car and you're, uh, somebody offers you a good price for it, you might want to consider holding on to that vehicle because you can't get another one or you're going to pay more for another one. Precisely. You know, that's the advice I give a lot of people is that if you can find that next vehicle and you currently have something, uh, just see what that difference is really going to come down to. Because if you pay another, say, $1,000, $2,000 over the MSRP for a new car, um, but at the same time, you get an extra five to 7000 for your trade-in that you were never expecting, and you're in the well deep into positive equity on your vehicle, it might be worth making that transaction. Just, you know, make sure that that new vehicle, it's locked in, you, that's yours. But yeah. if that's not the case, you know, just hold off because your dealer who sold you that car even three, five, seven years ago might be sending you emails, physical flyers saying, we want to buy your car. Uh, you're going to see all those online ads from all the online retailers and even from like CarMax saying, hey, we buy cars even if you don't buy ours. Uh, everyone is trying to buy your current vehicle. And that means even all the way up to like 100,000 miles, they still want to buy that car. We are talking about new car vehicles with Ivan Drury, senior manager from Edmonds. Our email address for your questions is auto at mpbonline.org Coach is here for those vehicle repair questions too. Coach, you know we talked about the chip shortage and it's you know caused a problem with uh, new cars, but there's is there one chip in a car? Is there two chips? How many chips make a car? Well, we have many modules that are in a car. You have the power control module, transmission control module, body control modules. Each one of them have different chips in them. And that's why if you could see that the new car manufacturers now are riding uh, and selling cars right now that may not have heated seats because they cannot get the chip for the body control module. So there are many different modules that have many different chips in them. Okay. Let's go to the phones. We've got from Memphis. It's Martha's called in. Martha, we're glad you called in to autocorrect today. What's your comment or question? My question is, uh, well, to start with, I have a 2002 
Mitsubishi, and the rear window defroster does not work. And my question is, is there a fuse that's involved with that operation? Uh, yes, ma'am, there is a fuse on the back uh, inside the uh, car. It could be under the hood or it could be under the uh, dash that controls that uh, rear defroster. Now, a lot of times uh, you can check the fuse and it would be good, but being a 2002, sometimes what happens is that you have a grid. If you look at out the back window, you'll see little lines going through your rear window, and those are called grids. Yeah. And sometimes that grid may have a break in it somewhere so you want to be careful once you check the fuse if it's not the fuse then you would go a little bit further and see if it's the grid could be damaged okay now this is not the original window it was broken i'd say about 10 years ago and replaced but the replacement has worked fine until last winter well that gives me some hope that it'll be something minor and uh, not as expensive if it is a fuse. Now, uh, supposing there is a break in the grid, would that mean replacing the whole window? Uh, Yes, ma'am. You cannot replace the grid itself. It's made into the window. Okay. Well, that answers my question. Thank you very much. Yeah, one other thing on that I will let you know on those, if you do have a fuse that is blown, that means something made that fuse blown that was high amperage. And so you want to make sure you find out what the problem of what that fuse was blown, what popped that fuse. Oh, yes. Yes, that's something. That's good to know. All right. Well, I'll. Uh, keep my hopes up that it is better and thank you for your help thank you bye we're glad you called in martha if you've got a question send us your emails our address is auto at mpbonline.org we're talking about the automotive industry with our friend ivan drury and taking your vehicle repair questions hey is your car under recall we've got a list of ones that are you're listening to autocorrect on mpb think radio I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you had Jerry Lewis, Hall Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Paul write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Jen White with NPR. If you're fortunate enough to have collected a few classic cars over the years, here's a thought. Give them a new life by donating one or more to support this station. They'll be matched with interested buyers, collectors just like you who know a great car when they see one. You free up some space in the garage, the classic car gets a new home, and proceeds support this station. It's a win-win. Thanks in advance. 
Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. You are listening to AutoCorrect with Coach Charlie. Charles Melton, I'm Liz Gill. Now, if you want even more AutoCorrect, please find our podcast on all podcasting platforms for your smart device. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central Time. Here are the recalls for the week. We've got uh, Ford Bronco Sports Escapes recalled for brakes. That's important. Honda Passports Pilots Ridgelines recalled for hoods possibly flying up. That's important, too. So you can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website, nhtsa.gov slash recall, and just put in that VIN, and or you could find their Safer Car app. We're talking today about the automotive industry with Ivan Drury from Edmunds.com, but we're also taking your vehicle repair questions. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. We've got a couple of calls we'll go to. Let's go to Jackson and talk to Delius. Delius, what's going on with you and your vehicle? I've got a 98 Grand Caravan, and uh, it's got almost 300 miles on it. But anyway, on the driver's side, the heat works. No, on the passenger side, the heater works. But on the driver's side, I'm having trouble with that. It don't work. And I uh, tried to um, get it checked out, but I, I, don't, I don't know what's wrong with it. Coach, where should he start? Well, on that one, you say you got air coming out of one side and uh, no air coming out of the other side. A lot of times, um, uh, these vehicles here... You could have a blend door or a mode door that is sticking. The actuator itself could be sticking. And do you hear a clicking noise on the inside of it when you cut the heater on or the air conditioner? No, that's with the heat, too, as well. Okay, so I would, um, if it's just working on one side, the first thing I would do, I would check out the actuator door itself and see if that door is opening. You know, because, like I said, you had three or four actuators down there under the dash uh, with the air conditioner and heating system. So that was usually okay. what you look for. And that uh, that where you uh, low, medium, and high? Yes, sir. It only works on low and high. Okay. Now, on... Uh, if you think about the switch itself, a lot of times you would have a resistor. It's called a uh, fan blower motor resistor, and it's up on there by the uh, fan motor itself underneath the dash. And use that resistor goes bad. Okay. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for calling in. We've got another call. We're going to go to it is Vicksburg. Berman's on the phone. Uh, Berman, what's your comment or question for Coach Charlie and our guest, Ivan Drury from Edmonds? Okay, great. Coach Charlie and uh, Iman. Amazingly, I have the same type problem as the, the, this immediately, the immediate caller before me. I have a 2006 Honda Ridgeline, and what happened is whenever I turn on the AC, it blows hot air, and then just like she asked the caller, it was doing it on one side, 
Uh, I don't suspect that uh, you know the the condenser or the, the cooling part itself is broken because the cold air, you know, for a while would kick in if I ran the temperature up and down on the on the um, controls. What happened was eventually um, that wouldn't work anymore. So I did look to see if it was, you know, I suspected the ductwork under the dash. I verified that on both the passenger and the driver's side that they were opening, but I must not have, there must be more than I checked. Okay, let me tell you about the Hondas and some Toyotas right now. Uh, it deals with Freon. Uh, the refrigerant in some of these vehicles, it has to be the right amount of refrigerant because it will start blowing cold air on one side and hot air on the other side if the refrigerant is not up to the specifications. So what I would do is check the Freon itself, and it could be off very little. It doesn't take much for it to start doing that, but that's what I would check first. If that compressor coming on and you can uh, hear the clutch engaging I would check the uh, Freon uh, I did get it charged uh, this was this past summer um, Mississippi's hot enough without the heater in the summer um, and so but I appreciate the advice I will check get that checked again Thank okay you. and if you did have to put Freon in it that means you have a leak somewhere and you might want to check and uh, find out what that leak is um, great, great. Good good thing to check. Okay, thank you for calling. All right, thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thanks, Berman. Our guest today is Ivan Drury from Edmunds.com. Now, Ivan, you are our inside information. When we when we want to get the, the secret knowledge, we call you. Who do you call? How do you get your information? Uh, well, my information comes usually from either the website, right? We've got so much existing data. I've got an editorial team that test drives hundreds of cars. Um, I myself, I unfortunately buy a lot of cars because, you know, I'm basically a car addict. So I find out a lot of the, the problems and also some of the fun stuff that's happening in the industry. But really, the secret comes from transaction data. It's almost one out of every three cars sold in the United States at a dealership we get the information from it's like 200 columns of data right it's like who sold the car how much did they pay did they finance it what was that apr did they have a trade-in was it yellow with like 200,000 miles on it so really it is that all this information comes together um, and i try to just distill it into something a little more usable than reciting to people you know millions of data points but really the truth is in the numbers um i always joke that people tell you they're gonna do one thing but you know the honors in the dollar you'll see what they're really doing uh, when they spend their money so that's that transaction data that i look at that really gives me insights into what's going on in the market Ivan, we've got Michelle here, our engineer, who has a question for you. Hi, Ivan, and maybe Coach Charlie can answer this as well if you can't. Um, we talk about recalls on the show every week. Uh, my question is, when does a problem become a recall? How many cars have to have that same problem that same year for it to become a recall? And how do they decipher that? How do they say, okay, so we made, we must have made a mistake or something's going wrong with this particular car and this model and this make? How do they do that? Well, you know, I, one oh, thing. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Now, uh, I, Ivan, why don't you start, and then we'll let yeah. uh, uh, Coach Charlie chime in. 
Yeah, you know, there is no set standard for the volume of vehicles. It's kind of a blend between volume and severity. Um, and also, can they really narrow it down to was this a repeatable problem at the factory? And then what is the fix? So it's not like there's a you know certain part. Well, definitely certain parts. You know, if it's safety related, yes, they're going to recall the vehicles. But it is one of these things that they do look at for repeatability and what is going to be next when it comes to a fix. So is there, you know, customer complaints involved? Is this something that the dealership's noticing? Things like that, because when it comes to recalls and their effects on, you know, customer perception, future purchasing, these are things that the automakers highly, highly value. And for the dealerships, when they do the recall work, they actually want to do recall work for you because they get paid by the automaker to do it and you as a customer don't pay to do it. So. For dealerships, it's not seen as like a problem. It's actually seen as opportunity because they also like to be in constant contact with their customers. And again, I would think uh, on the recall is that, uh, like you said at first, the safety factor. If we go back to uh, several years ago when they called, recalled all the Ford vehicles because of the tires they put on them, those are the Firestone tires, that they had to recall them because not only did some people lose their life although they had those tires on there but it was a percentage and then as the percentage would increase you know once again the manufacturer itself is liable and it's better to recall all the vehicles and change out the tires and stuff like that or whatever it may be and for the uh, liability all right we've got a call already let's go to long beach Ooh, that'd be nice let's go to long beach and talk to bill bill what's your comment or question for uh coach charlie i have a 2011 ford f-150 it's the v6 3.5 ecoboost and it has just started uh when i turn it over uh the steering wheel locks back up and it throws up an alarm that says power steering assist fault and I'm just curious to know if that is a DIY fix or is it something I just need to book time for at a shop? Well, on that there, uh, if it as steering wheel exists, does that have a uh, electric steering system on it uh, where it has a yeah. motor? Okay, that yeah. and has a code come up on the uh, dash uh, check engine yeah, light. Okay, what I would do is have that check engine light uh, checked out because, once again, whatever that check engine light, it could be something minor, but it could be that uh, module down there on that uh, steering system that is giving you a problem. So I'd go and have the check engine light checked first and then go from there. Okay. uh, I was going to say, too, um, it'll do it, and then if I just just sort of turn it off and let it sit for a second and turn it back over, it'll be fine. Is this something that's going to, like – you know, next week it's going to lock up and never go back, or is it? It seems like like something is failing. So I'm just curious to know, like, let's say I don't get the, into the shop fast enough. How much time are we talking here? It's hard to say because what you're doing when you cut the key off, you're resetting that module. So mm-hmm. every time it it has a steering angle, it could be a steering angle sensor that's on the steering wheel itself, or it could be mm-hmm. something down there on that uh, rack. So what I would do first is go ahead and get that uh, check engine light uh, checked out because that could lead you to the problem. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Our email address where you can send us questions is auto at mpbonline.org. Ivan Drury is here to take your car buying questions between your car repair questions. What's in the news? I'll tell you next. 
You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. MPB needs some roadies, folks to help us out by spreading the word about Mississippi Public Broadcasting on the road. If you join us, you get a special license plate for your vehicle that tells the world that you support MPB. To join our road crew, go to your county office, request the MPB specialty license plate, then swap out your current tag for the MPB plate to show your support. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Coach Charlie, Charles Melton, retired Clinton High School Automotive Technology Program. And I'm Liz Gill. I hope you have downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. So in addition to listening to our show on the MPB Public Media app, you can click that support button maybe this month while you're thinking about your end-of-year donations and make a contribution because contributions help keep our program on the air for you and for others to enjoy. Thank you so much for your contributions to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. So in the news, England has set a date to ban gas cars. They've also launched an app to show drivers how much they could save by going electric, and they're working with power companies to figure out how people can charge for cheap. And now the British government has decided to tackle charging availability by mandating charging stations for all newly constructed buildings. Coach, that was your problem with that uh, Tesla Hertz thing is where are you going to charge it? Well, that's it, the charging the infrastructure in the uh, United States. And as you say, not all, all over the world are not capable of for all the electro, electrical vehicles right now. Yeah. Now, last year, Governor Gavin Newsom banned the sale of new gas-powered cars in California by 2035. Ivan, what do you have to say about all this news? You know, this is one of the things where, while it might sound good for some people, especially if they're in the industry of EVs or if you're thinking green, but when you come to those logistical nightmares that this can cause, or like Coach said, it is an infrastructure issue in many places. We're not just talking about road tripping, but especially in California, which I used to live in, there are some very densely populated neighborhoods, high-rises, condos, apartments, where they're just not set up to have a lot of vehicles down there charging, nor is the electrical grid. So we actually have to sort out more of the, you know, carpet or the horse kind of thing where, yes, these cars are out there and, and they're viable and whatnot. And yes, they're a little bit more expensive than you'd want as of now, but really it's the consumer adoption component and the infrastructure that needs to come into play. Charge times are still well longer than anybody wants to spend. 
you know, I mean, I've heard of, yes, they're going to have some restaurant right next to your charging station, but it's like, well, that's just going to cost you more money in the end of the day and time. So it's one of these things where, you know, it sounds good initially, like, okay, well, we'll have a lot of EVs, we'll, you know, help save the environment in that manner. But at the same time, you have to you have to mine out the materials for the batteries, um, and that's not a simple process, nor is it very environmentally friendly either. So, you know, good intentions, but I, I don't know how, how realistic everything's going to be. Yeah, one of the things I've been thinking about when you talk about EVs, uh, they're saying how cheap it will be to charge them. Well, how are you going to pay for it? How much is it going to cost as you are charging that vehicle? Because the elect uh, the electrical grid is not going to be set up where it's free that you can just pull up to a restaurant and charge your vehicle without costing you something precisely yeah it's it's everywhere you go they will be charging it's going to be the same as gas in that regard and the cost savings you know they'll start to diminish unless we can actually supply enough energy or if you're going to have solar panels installed well that's going to cost you money too right so I mean, while there is a lot of good merits to EVs, they are fast and you can charge them at home. And everybody says they're going to be the future of the autonomous cars, really banking upon uh, it being electrified. But at the same time, we've got a lot of the problems to sort out. And, you know, for everybody out there looking at cars for sale right now, they really only comprise of around three to three and a half percent of all vehicle sales. It's a lot more than you know it was a decade ago, but at the same time, it is not an overwhelming majority of cars. Uh, every automaker is launching a, an EV, and there's some really enticing offerings, right? Like Ford's Lightning, or you know some some of the SUVs that you're starting to see out there. But we really need to sort out you know the problem for the majority of consumers, not the minority right now. Yeah, I was thinking about rolling blackouts. Wonder where I would be stuck at if I had a rolling blackout for several charge hours. A, charge the <laughs> charge the truck. Charge the house with the truck, though, right? So you put the energy in the vehicle, and then you put it backwards the other way around. I hear that. We've got an email I'd like to get to. Uh, Coach, hello, Coach. I was driving home from the store, and it sounded like something small broke off around the engine. I was able to get home fine and didn't notice anything went wrong when I parked and heard a grinding noise. It's a 2000 Toyota Avalon with a V6 engine. It sounds like a metallic grinding or scraping sound in the engine after starting the ignition. The sound starts normal at first, but about 15 seconds or so later, it begins a strange ringing sound that may be coming from somewhere within the engine. Can you tell me anything about what the issue could be or the best questions for me to ask a mechanic about this when I take my car in? Thank you, Ian. Well, I've seen this happen many times on many different makes and models. What happens, you crank your car up, the starter turns the engine, and the starter does not go back, or the Bendix in the starter itself do not go back, and they continue to uh, engage the flywheel. And sometimes it will engage, and sometimes it will disengage. And so that's the first thing I would look at as the starter itself, because it sounds like when you cut the ignition switch on, that the starter engages and that it does not disengage. All right, that's a, that's one place to start, Ian, so good luck with that. Let's go to Mikey and Mobile and see what her question is for Coach Charlie or Ivan Drury, our friend from Edmonds. Hey, 
thank you, Liz, and thank you, Coach. It's so nice to meet you for the first time. I haven't aggravated you yet, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and this is a, a, a slightly different question, but it's still along the same lines of, of which you've been speaking, which, thank oh, I can't believe the amount of information y'all give out, you know, that's so useful to me. Um, but this is something that I have not been able to uh, discuss with anyone that um, didn't have too much of their own interest at heart. What do you do if you have what's considered a newly vintage vehicle that is still low mileage? Where, what resources, where do you look for the possibility of sale? What's the best use of that? Well, the thing is, uh, I'll just tell you about when you have a newer vehicle or uh, even an older vehicle that has low mileage on it, okay, um, a lot of times the manufacturers, uh, like I said, their warranties go for years according to how many miles and how many years that that vehicle is could be warranted for. But there are a lot of people out there looking for low mileage vehicles. You know, if they're on the used market, and like I say, uh, you could go to Kelly Blue Book and a couple of others to see exactly how much those cars would be worth. You know, even if it's 10 years old and it has low mileage, that car is still worth quite a bit of money. It's worth uh, a lot more if it's, what, three times that? Uh, yeah, if it's low mileage, uh, you'll get more money for it. And it's three times that age. Uh, according, uh, you know, just according how many miles and who you're trying to sell that car to. And if it's had one owner. That's even better. Like I say, there's certain people out there looking for one-owner vehicles out there because if it's a one-owner car, that means that that one person will have all the records of that car. So if you, you would get more money according if it's a one-owner and how many miles it has on it and has it been in an accident and stuff like that. So you're suggesting Kelly's as the, the top. Is there another or another couple? Well, I just of, know. Well, I just know uh, Kelly's, but Edmunds I think Edmunds has may it too. Right. That. Yeah, Edmunds yeah. has it as well. If you go to their their uh, main web page, Edmunds.com, E-D-M-U-N-D-S.com, and it has find out what your car's worth. Um, Ivan, where does where does Edmunds and Kelly's and all these kind of places where do they get all of that data that they can compare what Mikey's car might be worth? So basically, they. Myself and even some of the other um, auto data providers, they get information from every car transaction that occurs. So it's like I was saying, you get the person's name and how much they paid for it. So take that historical data. I mean, by historical, I mean only a few days old at this point. The data comes quick from the dealership to our data sources. And then we make a prediction based upon what do we think that vehicle is going to be worth during the next you know, seven to 14 days out. On the flip side, you know, there's also services where people will buy your car online outright, especially low mileage and a newer model your vehicle. Those ones are a lot easier to predict the values of. Um, when you talk about older vehicles, high miles, that's where condition varies quite a bit. So you can actually just go online now. And there's these online retailers that will buy your car. CarMax will give you an online offer. And it is, it is no joke. My company actually works with them. We're actually owned by them now where you can get an appraisal and it's not just an appraisal, it's actually an offer to buy that vehicle sight unseen. Um, some of the online retailers will actually come to your home and pick it up right there in front of you. They'll hand you a check. 
you'll sign some paperwork and that's the end of that so nowadays you don't even just have to go look up hey what do i think my car is worth you can get legitimate offers right on the spot no dealing with you know any other people um it's all online it's actually really simple i've actually sold two cars that way myself well good luck with that mikey and if you were feeling generous and you wanted to give that car to a charity, MPB and other charities have a website where you can donate your vehicle. They also will come and pick up your car. They take your car to auction, and then uh, you'll get credit for a charitable donation for whatever it, it sells for. So lots of good, lots of different options for you, uh, Mikey, to get rid of a low mileage, almost antique car. Let's now go on to Diane and find out what's going on with her. Diane, we're so glad you've called in to talk with Coach and Ivan Drury from Edmonds. What's your comment or question? It's good to speak with y'all. Um, yes, yeah, so I recently had my brakes uh, redone, and, um, and I mentioned to the mechanic that this particular set of rotors has never been turned. And so, but they told me that I needed new rotors. And when they, and then they further explained that the rotors these days just can't be turned anymore. And so, uh, my previous experience, they could be turned up to three times before you had to replace the rotor. Is that true? Is are the the rotors just not any good anymore to be turned? Well, on rotors themselves. It... As, uh, you would never see it, but most uh, technicians would look at that rotor, and it has a machine. Uh, how far that uh, machine, that rotor can be machined before it's too thin, and it's not according how many times it can. It's according how much was cut off the first time. Okay, but they can still be machined because you got several different type rotors. You have vented rotors, you have solid rotors, you have grooved rotors. So it's different type rotors that can be cut a different way. But they do have a machine uh, measurement on each rotor to tell you how far it can be machined and when it's no, no longer usable. Okay, so what I was told was false then yeah, because these these rotors had never been machined before right if they if they've never been machined and uh, like i say if they measured that rotor and they uh were able to look at the uh measurement on that rotor then they could tell if it needed to be to be machined or not according to how thin it was wonderful thank you so much i do appreciate your You're knowledge so welcome. thank you diane okay. uh coach you know we had a a nice reply email from a guy we had answered his question about last week, and you had suggested you could ask for your parts. Can you ask for rotors? You can ask for any part that a technician or a manufacturer replaces on your car. Okay. So if uh, Diane wanted the, you know, this this was probably last week, last month, or whatever, but if uh, you're if you're not believing, you could ask and then... Yeah, as for the part. Right, and you could take that part somewhere else and have it measured and see if it could be turned. Ooh, all right. I like the fact-checking. We are discussing new vehicles and taking your repair questions. You can send us your email questions to our address, auto at 
mpbonline.org. We've got a new car review from one of our other buddies, Casey Williams from AutoCorrect, coming up. Okay, wait till you hear about this one, my Mercedes owners in the room. The long form of this YouTube is great. Uh, his daughter works some of the controls in, in the background, but you got to listen to this short one, too. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. a new car review from Casey Williams. It's Auto Casey on AutoCorrect. Whenever somebody mentions the best car in the world, Mercedes S-Class is on that list. This week we have the S580, their biggest and most traditional sedan. From the front, you know it's a Mercedes. It was redesigned with a much sleeker body, but it still has a traditional grill and a stand-up hood ornament. Inside, it's like a little limousine. Even the back seats are heated, ventilated, with all kinds of different massagers. You can change the ambient lighting, you can settle in, listen to the Burmester audio system. And up front, there's a widescreen heads-up display and a giant OLED touchscreen. Very nice, very easy to use. Under the bonnet is a 496-horsepower bi-turbo V8. And it's still good 17 miles per gallon in the city and 25 on the highway. So pretty efficient. Of course, a Mercedes like this is going to have a pretty big sticker price. Starts at $110,000. This one all in, $146,290. See the full video on his YouTube channel, Auto Casey, and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at autocorrect.com mpbonline.org autocorrect is heard on mpb think radio thursdays at 10 a.m with a replay saturdays at a uh, 11 a.m central i'm liz gill but our expert is coach charlie charles melton asc certified master technician our guest is ivan drury from edmonds uh during the break ivan we were our Mercedes folks were were talking. You, I know you've said you've gone through a lot of different vehicles. What do you? What are you driving around Hawaii right now? Well, in the Aloha State, I'm driving a 2020 Ford F-150. Oh, so. you you had just? I think you had gotten that. Uh, we talked about that when we did the truck show with you. That is exactly correct. And you know, I'm a very, very lucky person in the sense that I bought it last year in September when there were still discounts and some inventory on dealers' lots. So I really do feel for everybody who's out there shopping right now because I saw the complete opposite end of the spectrum. But, uh, you know, I this is my first truck. And admittedly, I now know why when people purchase one, they virtually never go back. I think it's only one out of every four consumers who has a truck actually trades it in for an SUV or a car. 
Well, the Mercedes is just uh, one of the vehicles at, at Coach's house. You have a truck, too, right? Uh, yeah, I got a 2010 F-150. Uh, it was the last year they had the 4.6 liter in it, and I really love my truck. Yeah. M- Michelle's a Mercedes gal. Yes, but this is not a Mercedes question. <laughs> okay. I, I do love Mercedes. I love my car. But, Ivan, I have a question. Um, I was talking to Liz and Coach earlier. My daughter is 18, and we're in the market for a used, nice used vehicle for her. I'm planning, I was planning on trying to get it at the end of the year. Um, any do's or don'ts, or should I wait till later in the year of next year. I kind of wanted to get it before her prom in April, <laughs> March, April-ish. I know. I'm kind of yeah. stumped right now. Oh, you're kind of in a rough situation because right now that vehicle inventory shortage on the used end, it is rough. We even have rental car agencies, which almost always buy new cars. They're looking to buy used cars because they can't even get what they need to from automakers. So... That used value, it's not going to go down this month that, you know, traditionally the end of the year, we see like the acceleration and depreciation, not so much this year. Uh, And the beginning of next year, unfortunately, uh, you know, with tax return season comes back, it also kind of coincides with used values going up a bit too. So, I mean, it's, it is (laughs) tough. And I say that if you can, the longer you can wait, the better off you'll be. But, you know, if you keep your eyes open, you will find some, you know, deals occasionally. It's just you're going to be hitting the refresh button a lot and making sure that, like, you get to it as soon as possible. Um, Of course, used car, got to get checked out unless it's sitting at a dealership and it's got a warranty or it's a certified pre-owned car. But um, act fast as my thing. If you see something that's even remotely a deal, jump on it. Jump on it. Hey, we've got one email let's try to get to before the end of the show. Coach, um, I have a 2016 Chevy Traverse. Temp keeps running about 225 after it warms up. Used to stay on at 210. I replaced water pump temp sensor. Water looks good in radiator. Still runs about 225 on highway or not. Any suggestions as to why it's overheating? There are several things that can make that car overheat. The first thing I would do is check the fans. Uh, It may have one or two fans on the front of it. They're electrical. I would check those fans and see if they're coming on as you're driving down the highway. And then I would check the uh, thermostat. If you were there at the water pump, I would have went ahead and changed the thermostat because it could be sticking. And by being sticking, I mean that it could be staying closed and not opening up at the right time uh, because they're all temperature operated. So that car should run anywhere between 180 to 212 degrees is really what that car should be running. So I would go check the fans, check the thermostat. Thank you very much, Coach. Now, Ivan, back to the the Hawaii, the rental car thing. I guess the the one thing that I heard was that folks were renting like U-Haul trucks to drive around in Hawaii because there were no rental cars. This this is actually 100% correct. Um, I've seen it in front of my eyes happening where you'll have just your everyday people out there. And they try to get the trucks, right? They're not looking for the big, you know, hauling all your your stuff kind of vehicles, the vans. But uh, you will see people out there driving the pickup. 20 bucks a day in mileage versus spending three, four, five hundred dollars a day. Um, but that's where I've also seen people picking up on that Turo ride sharing app. And I forget the name of the other one. Allstate even has one. Just try to like 
alleviate some of your pain when you're on vacation or, you know, people who are just visiting or you're, even some of the other states, I've heard some of the crazy stuff that people are having to pay for when it comes to rental cars. So, you know, the, the pain is real. Well, I will tell you that I did check on a rental car the other day and between budget and Hertz, it was $128, three days, uh, unlimited mileage. Oh. And is that for, for, for the three days or a day? For the three days. Oh, okay. So right. that was very cheap as you're talking. Better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to ask you one other question about the uh, used cars and the new cars. Until we get the chip shortage taken care of, I think used cars will continue to go up because if the dealerships and the manufacturers cannot get the vehicles, all they're going to have out there are used cars, and that's what people are going to be looking for. That's exactly right. I tell everyone the exact same thing is that end of, even when we get those chips into those new cars, right? Or you do what General Motors did by removing some features and saying, we'll add them back in later. That still doesn't solve the problem of, you know, the lag time between a new car selling and suddenly a used car showing up. We're also having fewer people leasing cars. So that's actually a really, you know, high supply of cars comes from leasing. And it's usually one out of every three cars being sold. Now it's down to one out of every four, if not a little bit less. So fewer people turning in leases means fewer two, three, and four-year-old really nicely used cars. And again, rental agencies, a lot of the cars that they do have in inventory, they've got an extra year, maybe two years on them, 20, 40, 50,000 miles. Right. Um, that's, and so it's going to get rough like that, trying to find a one to three or four-year-old used car that's not, you know, been... Well, Ivan, this might be a good time for folks to get a second gig as an Uber or a Lyft driver (laughs) for all the people who can't get a ride. Ivan, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, getting up extra early Hawaii time to be with us. We always enjoy you on the show. No problem. Always enjoying it. That's going to wrap us up for AutoCorrect. Our call screener today was our good friend Jay White. Michelle McAdoo back in the house. For Coach Charlie, Charles Milton, Master Technician, I'm Liz Gill. We're so glad that you listened to AutoCorrect today on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.